Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I am Jay Mamie, and I want to thank you for joining us this morning on a Sunday morning here for your hour of Thrive Time. If you are a first-time listener, can I just thank you for being on the show today with me on this wonderful, thriving journey. You have come to the right place at the right time to make sure that you have everything you need with to win with in your Thrive journey this week and beyond. And if you are a returning listener, then I'd like to thank you for making this Sunday a part of your weekly Thrive-minded activity. Lots of you are joining joining us week to week and those numbers are continuing to swell and we love it so make sure that you keep coming back because this show is intended to help you thrive in those areas of life where you need a little push maybe a little bit of an adjustment that's what this show is all about and the formula my friends is working as we are gathering listeners and a growing audience from around the world by the way if you're listening to the show for the very first time let me encourage you to go visit our show site you can visit our show site and catch up on all of our prior episodes we've got 29 episodes in there as part of our archive library you can catch that at the jmamietalkshow.com and while you're there make sure you have a a look at our business directory as we've got some fantastic people on there offering some incredible services and if you are online anyhow you might as well go over to the my website thejmamie.com and check out my blogs my videos i've got merchandise i've got books i've got all sorts of good things in there that is going to help you thrive in those areas of life that you are looking to uh thrive on and by the way we've got fantastic merchandise guys our merchandise site has been soaring with visitors and people that are really appreciating the content the thought-provoking action-stoking uh wonderful quotes and phrases that i've been able to work with in terms of printing them on items that you can purchase and hang them up drink coffee with them and do all the sorts of things that you'd like to do while you've got this motivational stuff on a printed item at home or at the office. Finally, let me let you know that we've got a newsletter that you should sign up for. You can find out how to sign up at our newsletter at my show site, also at my website, thejmamie.com. And by the way, let me just say that it's great for you to follow me on my Instagram, on my Twitter. You can follow me on those at the J Mamie, at the J Mamie. You'll find me there. Also, track me down on Facebook at the J Mamie. Make sure you hit that like button and catch up with me wherever I'm doing and whatever I'm posting. And it'll keep you in the loop with all the great stuff that we have happening. Like today, today's a great show. I'm excited about today's guests, and I'm excited about not only both of them, but what they stand for in terms of being able to deliver not only a powerful message, but a great service. Our featured guest today, Alexandra Lugato, and I'm excited about Alexandra Lugato because she is someone that epitomizes the theme of today's show, which is being relentless. We're going to hear more about her in a little while. She's a former candidate for the governorship of Puerto Rico of MVC. She's an entrepreneur. She's a radio talk show personality. She's an attorney. She's a go-getter. And boy, she fits the theme of this show so appropriately. And then we've got a fantastic small business resource coming on the website, coming on the show rather a little bit later on for our business spotlight. We're going to hear from Millicent Griffin, the founder and CEO of EM2HR Alliance, helping small businesses especially during these troubled times. 
But I want to talk a little bit about being relentless. And I was reminded again just recently when I was at a supermarket. For those of you who have children, you're going to relate to this. And for those of you who don't have children, get ready. If you plan on having children, this is going to happen. So I was at the supermarket and there was apparently a candy that this little four or five-year-old girl wanted to have. And you could see uh, mom was not excited about having this little girl start grabbing at the candy. You know, these supermarkets, they're pretty slick, right? They put the candy at the lower shelves because they know the kids are the ones that want the candy. So they line up these these uh, shelves with, with candy, and, and they almost do it, to I, I think, to torture parents <laughs> because they know the kids are going to walk by those aisles and, and start picking at the candy. So here was this little girl who while the parent was waiting to pay, she was looking at the candy and she started to point at her mom and she knew what she wanted and she was tapping her mom's leg and her mom knew that she wanted the candy or whatever was on that, that candy shelf. So I think uh, the face on the mom uh, told the whole story because she was very uh, scared, uh, rather she was fearful of what was going to happen when she got closer to it. And the kid was so relentless, boy, that the mom gave in. <laughs> Let me explain to you. Thrivers are relentless people. <laughs> Generally, they're hungry people, and they're hungry for a good reason. Let me share with you, being relentless requires you to know what you're fighting for, what you're aiming at. Relentlessness requires that you understand the repercussions if you don't make it or if you give in, you give up, or you let it get away too soon. So being relentless, which is the theme of our show today, has a lot to do with understanding that it's okay to fall short after knowing that you gave it all you had, that you truly were relentless in your pursuit, that you maintained a level of consistency, durability, and an unwillingness to throw in the towel when things didn't go your way. Here's the one thing that thrivers have as a mindset. They are inflexibly stubborn, but not mindlessly stupid. In other words, just because you are unyielding in your desires and ambition doesn't mean that you lose your wits about things. It doesn't mean that you throw caution to the wind. It means that you maintain a rational and logical composure as you go about your pursuit. Because you're either going to be relentless in your pursuit or you're going to feel regretful that you were not. Our guest today epitomizes being relentless. Alexandra Lugaro has what I call a rock star resume. <laughs> she is not only a former candidate of the governorship of Puerto Rico for MVC, and we'll explain all that in a minute, but also, as I mentioned earlier, a highly successful attorney, a radio show personality, and a social entrepreneur. I call it a social entrepreneur because of the entrepreneurial uh, in- involvements that she is in. All are based on helping people. And that's why she's on the show today. So, Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay. Good morning to you and your audience. Thank you so much for this invite. Well, you're very, very welcome. We're excited to have you on the show today. Before we dive into the goodness of what we're going to cover today in your story and, and the, uh, the, the rock star resume that, that you bring to the table, why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself? Well, I grew up in in a middle-income family in Puerto Rico. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a salesman. Um, I'm one of, I have two brothers. It was a happy home. My parents did everything they could to provide us probably a better life than they had. As in many families, we have also difficult times and problems that we faced as a family. And among those things, um, I finished leaving. I, I left my house when I was 15. I went into college. 
At that time, I I made my bachelor. I got my bachelor's degree in business administration with a triple concentration in finance, marketing, economics. After that, I went to law school to get my juris doctor, and and then I studied. I got my master's in laws. Uh, professionally, I've worked in, in very different areas. Um, I paid for my for my law school working as a bartender. I worked at Taco Bell. I I I worked at, at banks. After I got my bachelor's, I went on to work in strategic marketing. And then in law school, I worked with different law firms, also with the um, appellate courts in Puerto Rico. And most recently, I went into politics, um, wanting to change probably the political panorama in Puerto Rico and, and in some way, confront a system that had brought us here and this is where we are at this point you know what's great you just mentioned that you paid your way through college and uh, that's and a real good indication of a thriver people who take personal responsibility for furthering their own uh, career their own experience their journey they don't allow others uh, so much to be responsible for their own growth they take personal responsibility. So I love when you said that you worked at Taco Bell. <laughs> you worked at Taco Bell. You bartend. You did all these things. And it's very similar to my background. I did all sorts of things in order to put the money in my pocket to have uh, the, the funds available for when I needed them, whether it was school or whatever it was so I could further my life. I felt it was always my responsibility to do that. And anyone else that wanted to help was gravy. But I, I wanted to take personal responsibility for that myself. What's interesting you said there that I'm very impressed by is that you graduated high school at 15 years old, which is a rarity. Let's take a minute to talk about that before we go to break. Yes. Um, first, having the responsibility for, for paying probably for my tuition, and it didn't come maybe as a decision. Maybe it was more a necessity when I left my, my house. Um, my, my dad was an alcoholic and they lived month by month. So it was, it would be very selfish from, uh, from me asking things from, from my parents. So I had to work um, since I was 12. And um, when, when I was in school, I skipped three grades. I can, I, I've always lived in a hurry probably because I think we only have one life, and I believe life is not one life is not enough for for all the things I would love to do, and and I probably went through a hurry in my school. I skipped three grades, and and finally, when I went when I left my home at fifteen, I was already admitted to college, mm. and and at that point, I knew I was very sure of something. I had to be able to pay for my tuition because education was probably the most important thing I'm, I'm, I was going to have. It was the thing that was going to open doors for me. It was this, that, that thing that couldn't be taken from you. So I made it uh, a priority to get the money I, I needed to pay for my tuition at that point. So the fact that you put so much importance and value on education as really being your ticket out um, was something you were not going to uh, play around with. You were not going to compromise that. You were going to do whatever it took in order for you to at least have the funds to make sure that your education was complete. And that's a great story. And that's a message in there for our young listeners. Alexandra, when we come back after the break, I want you to share with us a little bit about how that 
experience, that attitude impacted your life, and then what inspired you to pursue a career in law? We're going to cover that right after the break. Have you recently left corporate America, want to start your own business, but don't have the funding? Hi, I'm Erica with Amaro Capital. We help people like you build the business you've always dreamed of. Let us show you how. Give us a call at 954-688-6488 or visit our website at amorocapital.com. That's A-M-O-R-O-C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. You will grow old unless you die young. Plan to be alive and thriving at 85. I'm Marcy Cody RN, lead author of the Amazon bestseller, 90 Ways to Age Vibrantly, a baby boomer's devotional journal with 90 multicultural ways to tweak your routine that your future self will thank you for. Available on Amazon, but if you come to MarcyCodyRN.com, you will get free gifts and discounts not available anywhere. That's MarcyCodyRN.com. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. Being a truck driver, I don't always eat right, and it kind of balances out my natural body mechanisms and gives me a lot of energy. And I just recently went to the doctor to do a bunch of tests, and what was amazing, just like other people have said uh, in your advertisements, is the first question was, what are you doing? I've never seen such good blood work. You are perfect. And so I told her this down to nature. And I said, you really need to look it up because it works. So my checkup was excellent. So I'm just thrilled. I am really happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code DALLAS. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and we are on the line with Alexandra Lugaro, just getting ready to rock this next segment here. Alexandra, on our next segment, we were talking about the fact that you had such an early start at higher education. How did that early dedication to education impact your life? Well, first of all, it gave me something that couldn't be taken away, and and that made me uh, made me stronger for decision making. That made me more resilient because once you know you have this tool that can be taken away from you, you. You have no fear in making decisions. You know, businesses will come and go. You can be fired from a job, but education will always allow you to stand up again and again and again, and and you can always go and, and start all over. And and that early start into education, I can say without hesitating, after having my kid was the best decision I've ever made, and it's the best thing that has ever happened to me. And being able to get that education was paramount to every achievement uh, I've accomplished in, in my life. And, and I'm very grateful. And, and it, it weren't from for the University of Puerto Rico, with a lot, which allowed me with a grant to study. Mm. I wouldn't be here talking to you at this point. And that's why when I became a politician, I made such an important issue about defending public accessible and quality education. You know, I like what you said about the education, something it can never take away from you, because just this morning I was having a conversation with my 11-year-old son as I was dropping him off to school. And we were talking about uh, inauguration. We were talking about a lot of different things. He's very inquisitive. 
And so one of the things I was sharing with him is that knowledge is the one thing they can never strip from you. In life, they can take also your health can go, everything can go. But knowledge, which empowers you, is something that you could never have be, you can never be stripped of. So you're right. Education is something you take with you. You own it, right? You own it. That's right. That's right. What inspired you to pursue a career in law, which is, it's not the easiest thing to pursue. What inspired, at an early age, what inspired you to pursue that career in law? Well, when when I started law school, I was working in, at a bank in strategic marketing, and I, I saw a great need at that point for corporate lawyers. My background was in business, and I decided to pursue a law degree in business too, uh, to become a corporate lawyer. But when I went into law school, I I, I got I, I fell in love with criminal law, and I decided that if I was going to to pursue a specific path, I wanted to be something I was passionate about. It was something that made me happy because I think you're you're going to spend more time of your life working or with your coworkers than actually with your family or doing the things you do for fun. So I wanted to pick a career that actually made me happy. So when I went to law school, I, um, I most of the courses I took was were in criminal law, and that was the area where I worked after graduating. So that is something that certainly you knew ahead of time. It was not going to be the easiest road, but you decided to take it, which is yet another characteristic of somebody who's a thriver and somebody who's who's relentless in pursuit of what they want. But here you now become a radio show personality. In the middle of, do, of doing all of this and we're finishing up, you start a radio show. And I love the title of the radio show, Lugaro Sin Miedo, which means in English, Lugaro Without Fear. Now, this sheds a lot of light on how you see yourself, someone without fear. And by that point, I imagine that going through some of the stuff that you went through, which you just explained, certainly you would develop this fearlessness. But how has that attitude shaped your current ambitions, and, and how does that aid in being relentless? Well, that's more than shaping my current ambitions. That attitude has not limited my ambitions because when when I started walking and speaking to people this past six years, I've gone to hundreds of communities, I've talked to a lot of people, I saw that the main obstacle for, for change was probably fear, and fear comes many times from from the uncertainty uh, of the unknown. So the main way to to confront fear is through information, education. And, and if that doesn't work, you, need, you simply need to go on and do things even though you're scared. Because if not, you're not going to, you're, you're going to to pray, uh, deprive yourself from, from a lot of possibilities. So it has become a, a way of living, but it has also become a way of, of probably uh, confronting adversity and, and opposition at many points. You know, confronting adversity, boy, if you don't have a fearlessness attitude, you're going to crumble. Uh, you're going to definitely crack at, at the ongoing pressure of adversity and opposition, which is something that as we get into now this next conversation, I'm sure you, uh, you certainly found a lot as you pursued a, a career in politics. But you decided to pivot. Right? You mentioned earlier that you saw in, uh, an injustice, you saw something that inspired you to make some change, and you 
having probably started a great career in, in attorney work, you got your radio show, things are crank, all of a sudden you do, you take a pivot and enter politics uh, a few years ago. Now, it, unless you live on plan, on another planet, the, the political scene in our country, the political scene around the world, um, not only has become more challenging, but it, in some some situations is toxic. Um, but yet here you go. You decided, hey, I'm going to pursue a political career. I got political ambitions. And you decided to to embark on that a number of years ago. What in the world motivated you to jump into politics? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I, I must admit, I never thought uh, of being into politics. That was never an area of interest for me. Um, after working for many years in education, particularly in Puerto Rico and what are called lowest achieving schools, I saw that many of the things that weren't being done in education were political decisions. They had nothing to do with teachers or with students or with school directors, but they had a lot to do with politics. They had to do with looking at the education system as a business, not as an investment. And at that point, I was so interested in in making better that system that I decided that if I wanted to change it, I needed to go uh, to the place where decisions were being made, and that was the political arena. At that point, none of the political parties that existed in Puerto Rico represented me. So after reading the electoral uh, law in Puerto Rico, I decided to run as an independent candidate. And we we grew a movement. We became the third largest political force in Puerto Rico in just one election without using public funding. And I, wow. and I think that one of the main things of, of that career was not only trying to advance public policy and, and bring more attention to the education issue, which at times was greatly ignored by politicians. But I think we have to bring a new narrative to political discourse. We see all these politicians becoming probably the, uh, a product made by public relations companies, by marketing companies. They, they became exactly what the people wanted to see, but they lacked that authenticity, that, mm-hmm. that being genuine. And I think... That was necessary in, in Puerto Rican politics. I think it's necessary in politics on that. I think politics has reduced itself to a very toxic, probably uh, area where, where we're doing small politics. And I think small politics because when you talk to people from other political parties, there are so many things that we can agree on. But, uh, but at the moment of making decisions, uh, it all becomes about protagonism, about how we destroy the other party's ideals or their or their, or their ideas. And, and we are um, probably uh, at some point assaulting our democracy and, 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 and our generation. We are not giving them the ability of probably solving a lot of issues in which we all agree. But politics uh, have become something that I think uh, – probably needs to be changed. And I think that's what's happening not only in Puerto Rico. I think around the world, we're seeing an evolution of the way of doing politics. You know, in the beginning of, of, of the, the answer, you said something really key. And I think that there's a lot to be said about this, not only for politics, but sports and, and for a lot of things. That You did not ever think of yourself or see yourself getting involved in politics 
that wasn't in your trajectory. That's not something that you forecasted. It wasn't in your future. But along the way, you started to notice some injustices, and they were so glaring to you that you decided if, if something is going to be done about this because it's not being done by those in power, then I'm going to sort of uh, put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to get involved even though it's going to be uh, not potentially, certainly challenging, and, and I'm going to get a lot of opposition, right, because I'm going to ruffle the feathers of those that are in power. But the fact that you went into it with the the heart of making change, I think that's what a lot of people have forgotten. Our elected officials, our political uh, uh, people in power, um, but I'm going to extend that a little bit more even to the sports arena. I think people these days and, and prior have gotten involved in the positions that they're in now, not for the pursuit or for the promise of change, but for the profit. I think that uh, it's, it's their decisions to move forward, whether, again, in, in sports, uh, a lot of times you have to question whether they really love the game because they, they pursue this enormous amount of contracts. So the question is, do you love the game? And for politics, do you get involved in politics as an elected official because you want to help the people because about building a community of strong-minded people? Or is it about power and profit? I think you have to mm-hmm. ask yourself, why am I really doing this? And go back to your heart to find out why you guys thought in the first place. I mean, this is... Does that make sense? Definitely. I think what you just said is it's key. When I go speak to kids in schools or students in college, I always uh, tell them to, to pick something they're passionate for, but most importantly, to pick something that they will even do for free. I think when you do things expecting profit or power, you're not actually uh, – uh, honoring the commitment that should go with those careers. And in terms of politics, I think we should have more teachers in politics. We should have more people that care about climate change in politics. We should have more people that care about access to information in politics. I think politics should be redefined by people that actually have gone through different experiences or people that have the empathy and solidarity of putting themselves into other people's shoes and and are actually there to serve, not to be served by government. And I, at that point, I think uh, it's very important to to redefine politics for people. At this point, we're not uh, the two party system. It's not our main enemy. It's indifference. It's asceticism because people no longer believe in politics. And uh, uh, at the end uh, of everything. Uh, politicians are the ones who make decisions. It's not teachers who make decisions about education. Uh, politicians are the ones who are making those decisions. Doctors are not the ones who are, who are making decisions on our health. Politicians are making those decisions. Everything comes to politics. And if we don't get more people interested in serving uh, and making better and improving their communities into politics, we will definitely continue to see what we've been seeing. Decisions made on who they can profit I have a friend of mine um, who is actually going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks, and she's got a great organization. She's an attorney also, and she's been working with a Latino community um, in uh, in New York. Uh, and one of the things that she's involved in in her organization is helping redefine politics and the and the the privilege of being in politics 
but to a younger generation because she really believes that is that this young generation of 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 kids, teenagers and young adults that are the future leaders but if the change in politics and the political system is going to occur, it's going to happen it's going to have to happen by teaching young minds politics in a way that it serves the people and it doesn't uh, not the people serving them. So I love that you said that because that is something that she's in agreement with also. When we come back after the break, I want to dive into your message that that has mobilized young voters. And what was your message and how important is it for you to engage young voters, which you did uh, wonderfully and successfully in your campaigns? Let's talk about that when we come back after the break. It's tax season. Are you aware of all the changes that are taking place? Is your tax professional available year-round? At ALR Tax and Accounting Services, you're treated as family. We're here for you year-round. We have over 40 years of experience. Come visit us at our office or we can meet virtually. We can be reached at 347-913-4135. And the email is alrtaxforyou, number four letter U at gmail.com. Mention the Jay Mamie Show for a 10% discount. We look forward to working with you. Jay Mamie writes in his latest bestseller, Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On, that your potential to thrive will always be hindered if you're battling invisible enemies of worry, fear, doubt, and discouragement that only stagger and stunt your focus, your energy, your creativity, and your joy. Go to thejmamie.com for a copy of the book that many are calling a masterpiece. Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On at thejmamie.com. That's T-H-E-J-A-Y-M-A-Y-M-I.com. If you are not a guardian, you need one. Criminals threaten, terrorize, and attack good people because they believe good people are never prepared to defend themselves. America's founding fathers were counting on people like you and me to protect each other from criminals who place no value on human life. When the nearest policeman is several minutes away, we need to have an answer to the problem of criminal violence. When you are ready to answer with a voice of thunder, let the United States Concealed Carry Association teach you what you need to know. USCCA.com. Have you seen what's happening with the stock market? Record highs every day. How long can this possibly go on for? By the way, this is exactly what happened right before the 2000.com bubbles burst. Remember that? Protect your savings in retirement by putting them into something safe like real gold and silver. I'm not talking about gold or silver stocks, but into real gold and silver you can actually hold in your hands. How do you get real gold and silver? By calling the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. Now, the Oxford Gold Group will teach you everything you need to know about owning real gold and silver. It's so much easier than you think. So call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD to get your free gold and silver investment guide. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold and silver company that I trust, and you should too. Get the Oxford Gold Investment Guide today and learn how easy it is to have real gold and silver delivered to your home or how to have real gold and silver in your retirement account. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Alexandra, your message has mobilized young voters. This, uh, I went to your Facebook page. I've gone to your Instagram. You've got a massive following, and obviously you became a, uh, a very viable candidate because of this message to young voters. What was your message, and how important is it for you to engage young voters? Well, uh, certainly, the message I've conveyed it has elements that appeal to young voters and, and different issues that they are worried about. But I think more than the message, 
it has been about authenticity, about being genuine. I think in politics, you've seen for so long people who don't even speak with their voices. They say, oh, people of Puerto Rico are here. And, and you always want someone who they can talk to with no intermediaries who a person that can directly speak to them in their own words and tell them exactly what's happening. I think we have a generation that has mobilized influence from different media, and you have a lot of, of places where they can get information. So at this point, the most important thing is not getting that information, but differencing which information is accurate, which, which information is legitimate. And I've tried during the past few years to bring that information to people, not to make them think in a certain way, but to give them the elements so they can make their own decisions. And I think that has attracted a lot of young voters, especially by the use of social media and the different social media platforms. And I think um, as the years pass by, we're going to look at more critical voters that actually ask things. This um, loyalty, a uh, blind loyalty to political parties, I hope ceases to exist. And we come to new voters that can think critically, that can ask questions, and that can expect and, and, and accountability from the leaders. I think that has something that has to be done. And, and at some point, being human has attracted many young voters. I've accepted my faults publicly. I've, I've grown with them, both personally and professionally. I've shared my life with them, what I do at work, what I do at communities, what I do with my family. And knowing your leaders and knowing they're human and they have their faults and their strengths, too, as you have them, I think that appeals to young voters because they can see you as you are and they can grow with you at the same time. I love that message. And, and by the way, I don't know where and how it happened, but somewhere along the lines, critical thinking got the short end of the stick. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, somewhere along the lines, I think critical thinking is something that people just kind of abandoned uh, because we are now seeing the challenges and the struggles and the aftermath and the repercussions of the lack of critical thinking and, and critical questioning. Uh, but that's the abandonment. I think the system has been designed to, to underdevelop critical thinking because it's not convenient. For a lot of people, critical thinking is not convenient. That's right. That's right. People that cannot think critically, they're more vulnerable to be influenced and manipulated. And I think there's a lot of powers uh, of interest. They, they have no interest in or being redundant, but they have no interest in developing critical thinking skills among students, among communities, and that's something we must do, we must certainly do, because the, the uh, information, education, and critical thinking power among our communities. Where do you see that the greatest change has to occur in the Hispanic youth and, and youth today, but, in, but youth in general, but since you're in, you and I are the Hispanic and we we come from that community, where does a change have to occur there? The greatest change there, and and then with youth in general, young adults in general. Well, I think there are two skills that we need to to emphasize more: both critical thinking and also a sense of responsibility. But it's not a sense 
of individual responsibility, but a sense of collective responsibility, a, a sense of responsibility not only for yourself and for the present, but for the whole community and for future generations too. And, and as part of generating those two skills, uh, we need to empower uh, the Hispanic community to realize the power they have as a collective when acting together in a coordinated way. Um, at, at, when you see the amount of Hispanics we have in in, in United States, that represents not only political power, but it represents power to change our surroundings all around. And, and I think we need to realize we have that power. I think we don't realize yet the amount of power we have. And, and it's our responsibility to keep empowering Hispanic communities and also giving them tools, tools that... Uh, they, they, they should have a toolbox, and whenever they need some of those tools, they, they can easily access them. But critical thinking is going to be one, education and that sense of responsibility. Uh, before you, you asked me about being relentless, and, and I think being relentless is not something that has come from a decision, but it's a responsibility. Uh, I can afford to quit. I can't afford not to persevere. And I think we need to develop that in a, in a young, uh, in, 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 the, in, in the young people. We need to develop that sense that it's, we cannot afford to quit. We, we cannot afford to keep on trying doing things. And, and that's something that is developed through modeling. You cannot teach that. You need to model that. You need to have a role model of people who are relentless, who are people who, who persevere. One of the things I spoke about early on in the show when I started to open up and unravel um, and unwrap this idea of being relentless, I said that in order to be relentless or to continue to fuel this relentlessness is you have to know what it will cost, what are the repercussions if you give in to whatever you're pursuing, if you let it get away, if you give up. Uh, it's going to cost somebody something if you relent on being relentless by giving up Giving, uh, letting it get away from you or by just deciding I'm throwing in the towel. You just said something that was key right now, which is exactly that. I said you understood you yourself could not stop because there are so many others who would uh, fall, who would not have the, the blessing or would not be able to benefit from you taking it all the way. And that's very important. That is an instrument of relentless is recognizing if I fall, if I fail, if I give in and throw in the towel, then there's others that are also going to miss out on the goodness of that. So that's a great point. But what have you learned about dealing with adversity and opposition, which I would imagine the last 10, 15, 20 years of your life, you've, you've not, you're not a stranger to that. Uh, what have you learned about adversity and opposition? Well, first, not to spend time, energy, or inner peace and and dealing with things that are not in your hands to solve. Uh, so many times we we just obfuscate with a lot of things that we simply we don't have the power to change those. Instead, I I've tried to deal proactively with those things that in fact I can change, and and not only saying I, I will, I'm going to do them, but actually making a plan, establishing deadlines, and and most importantly, knowing that everything passes. Many times when we are dealing with adversity or with opposition, 
we we see things as if they were the end of the world. And when things are, are being harsh, especially when I have friends that I know they're going through tough times, it's important for someone who's outside of the problem to let them know that it shall pass. Every problem has a solution. That's the definition of a problem itself. And and I think we should spend our time, energy, and and solving the things that we actually control and not uh, focusing on those which we don't have control of. Time, energy, and inner peace. Don't give up on that. Don't give that away too soon. Don't give that up at all when you're dealing with adversity and opposition. Um, I love that. Let me ask you in this last final minute, Alexandra, what does the future hold for you? I know that you're just getting started, right? You're ramping things up. But what does the future hold for you? Well, at this point, I want to continue helping structure the movement we started. Uh, we started a, a movement in Puerto Rico called Movimiento Victoria Ciudadana. I want to keep on helping structure that movement in order for it to have more opportunities in 2024. I think I'm going to continue to use my social media as a vehicle for informing, for educating on different issues. And overall, uh, I want to keep helping my country. So wherever you see me, whether it's in politics, education, or even a foundation, I'll, I'll be looking for ways in which to help people. That's what makes me happy. That's what I want to use my one and only life for. So wherever you see me, I'm going to be looking for ways to, to make my country better. I want to stay in Puerto Rico, and I know a lot of people have paid a higher price. The higher price someone can pay is to have to leave the country they love because there are no conditions for them to keep living in that place they love. And, and I want my family to live here. I want to stay here, but I know that in order for that to happen, I really need to assume the responsibility trying to make uh the, the place that surrounds us better and, and help other people too. And where can people go to learn more about you? Well, on my social media, I have a Facebook page, Alexandra Lugaro, also on Instagram, Alexandra Lugaro, and Twitter, and all of them. Uh, you can uh, look uh, by Alexandra Lugaro, also on alexandralugaro.com. Uh, you can find more information. And um, I'm always uh, trying to, to reach more on important issues and bring information to people so they can make their own decisions on, on where they stand. And, and there they can actually uh, have a, a more a real uh, perspective uh, of what I'm doing on a daily basis. Wonderful. Well, your star is certainly rising, and I appreciate you being on the show, Alexandra. Let's make sure we I stay in touch. Thank you so much for the invite. Yes, perfect. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. Folks, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at the jmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought-provoking, action-stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster. Take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamie.com. Are you experiencing chronic pain and discomfort in your back, joints, or neck? Have you tried a number of remedies, treatments, and prescriptions without feeling any better? If so, schedule a consultative visit with my friend, Dr. Carlos Chapa from the Acupuncture and Integrative Medical Center in Las Colinas. He's a holistic doctor specializing 
specializing in Eastern medicine and will treat the reason why you have the pain. Call 972-444-0660 today to book a visit or visit drchapa.com. That is D-R-C-H-A-P-A.com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In our business spotlight, we are joined by Millicent Griffin. She's the founder and CEO of EM2HR Alliance. She's doing groundbreaking work in helping small businesses handle human resource challenges. And what I appreciate about her is that she she's truly an educator at heart and a real champion for small businesses, something that's needed today more than ever. So, Millicent, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Jay. Millicent, before we get into the segment, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let us know who is Millicent uh, so our audience becomes familiar with you. Sure. Well, um, first, my mother is Puerto Rican and my father is Spaniard-Italian. I lived in Queens, New York, until I was seven years old. Then we moved to the Bronx. At the age of 25, I moved to Westchester County until seven years ago when I decided to move to Florida. Um, I've been in management for over 20 years, which 15 years was primarily focused in human resources. I've worked in the auto industry, medical, federal contracting companies, and with a professional employment organization, PEO. There, I've learned how to manage accounts over 200 business owners, and I was their HR business partner. So clearly you're very seasoned in the field, tons of experience in management and, and really knowing your way around businesses. Uh, but what inspired you to launch EM2HR Alliance? Well, being that I was an HR director, I've worked as a client for the PE, with the PEOs. And then when I started working for the PEO, I noticed there was a gap. Um, that business owners were not getting the same services from the companies that provided HR outsourcing services to them hiring an internal HR. An HR professional that works for an outside um, outsourcing company, they are not as personable and they usually give general information or templates um, versus to the internal HR. They learn the culture of the business in order to provide the correct advice. They put the processes in place to help retain the employees, to keep the company compliant um, based on how the company runs. So I wanted to fill that gap and be more personable to the business owners where they know they really have somebody by their side. Well, that's wonderful. And that's why I believe you are really an educator and, and you have a heart for small businesses. But what are you finding in your travels today and your business dealings today? What are you finding that that the uh, small businesses are experiencing as their greatest challenges? Well, most of it is them keeping up with the fast changing rules and regulations because of COVID, um, having to um, have their workforce keep a distance especially if they're in a small office setting and they have to come in and they cannot do a remote or even in the restaurant industry. Um, and even trying to understand them. And sometimes it's not as easy to understand what the rules are or the regulations and putting them into place. And that's why I come in to kind of get give them a clear understanding of everything. And then um, although there's a lot of people out of work, it's still hard to find the right candidate 
or even to retain the current ones because they try to sustain their business where, where it's at, but they can't keep them and they have to decide, you know, who's the right one. But those challenges are, um, I find where everyone that I speak to are very broad and it's something that they all are very facing between the regulations and just finding the right fit to, to deal with, to work with, to have them work with them. So you mentioned challenges and you mentioned COVID. Any small business today is no stranger to the challenges, but what are the new HR challenges that businesses are facing in this current COVID environment? The biggest challenge that I've come close to because a lot of what I deal with are um, public settings is keeping everyone safe, having everyone, you know, abide by the regulations. Um, I mean, the owners themselves worry about getting sick because they interact with everyone between the employees and their customers. Um, That's the biggest challenge that I feel that everyone is having is making sure that everyone not just the employees, but the clients also abiding by the rules, you know, making sure they wearing their masks, making sure they're keeping their distance, um, what, you know, keeping their hands with, you know, washing their hands and when touching things. It's just making sure that there are no mistakes because obviously if there's one thing that's missed, you can get one person sick that works for you and then, Everybody, you know, now has to either stay home, which can close the business down. So that's one of the biggest challenges that um, I find that everyone is having. Now, on the flip side of that, I'm sure there's businesses that have come up with some very creative solutions some very creative ideas. Um, What would be one uh, that you can share with our our small business owners, which we've got a, a great number of small businesses and entrepreneurs and executives that are listeners of this show. What have you seen other businesses do that you can share with our audience that can benefit them? Well, because COVID um, impacts not only the employees, it impacts the whole family in general of that employee. So I've um, seen companies implement, put in place the employee assistance programs, which assist the employees with issues, either as mental stress, finance, health, assists them with that and it also keeps the employer out of the employee's personal business where it can put the employer at risk so they put in this you know they implement these programs where the employee can call them it's confidential it's 24 hours and they can call at any time and it helps the employee and also helps the family members within the same household Um, and then the other things that I, I find, I, the other things that I've come across was the um, being more flexible with work hours. I think the um, employers and businesses are zooming, making sure that the employees are still feeling fit, part of part of the um, company, where they don't feel so isolated because they're working from home. And, and overall, I think the business owners are a bit more thoughtful when it comes to dealing with their employees during these current situations because we're all in it together. So HR, human resources, that's a broad, uh, uh, broad, a very broad uh, aspect to a company, right? HR is huge. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's a lot that you do. But what Mm -hmm. specific services do you provide within that HR world? So um, 
we sit down with the clients to find out what their pain points are, and then we come up with a plan to battle those pain points together. And um, it's more, again, it's I'm a re- very personable to find out what things are. And then I provide them the advice they can call when they have issues with the employees or if they need to update their policies or if they don't have policies, they can put the policies in place. And basically with the HR aspect in my company is a lot of what an HR would do in-house. Mine is, you know, the payroll, there's a different department that does that, but I do everything what an HR person will do in-house to bring that company up to par with compliance to ensure that the employee morale is there, and if it's not there, we'll fix it, um, ensuring that the employees and everyone is on the same page, streamlining things to make things more efficient, and just being there for my clients when they need it. And when there's changes like this, you know, I go right in and help them. Well, that obviously makes you very different from uh, HR firms that are out there. There's obviously a lot of HR firms that are there. And I, I think based on what you're sharing with me is your personal touch is one of the reasons why you're popular and what differentiates you from other HR firms. Um, you know, one of the concerns I know small businesses have is being not being sort of catered to or being just one other number in a long stack of companies that HR companies work with. But I think this personal touch, this personal approach really makes a big difference. And it's obviously working for you. In our last couple of minutes, are there any tips or points of interest that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Um, Yeah, there is. So I think that it's important that business owners Start thinking about ways how to keep their current employees when the minimum wage eventually hikes up to $15 per hour, especially the small ones. So that's, you know, that's a big hit on them. And there are ways to come around it. But if they start thinking about those ways now, um, so when it does come in the near future, they are already prepared for it. It's being prepared for the storm, basically. And um, I think it's very important to get prepared for that now because that's going to be around for a while. I like that. Get prepared for the storm. And you know what? Just like in any natural disaster, any natural storm, if you're not prepared for it, you're going to have the repercussions of of a very chaotic, dangerous experience. So I think as a small business, being able to reach out to someone like you who can prepare them for upcoming storms and changes so they can avoid losing money in chaotic situations is critical. Where can people learn more about you? Um, they can go on my website. It's www.em2hr.com. Um, I have a YouTube with some videos there. Some of them is I'm speaking to everyone personable, um, and they can look at those videos if they want to learn more, or they can just reach out to me if they you know want to talk to me themselves to find out more. They can give me a, a call. My number is three two one two four seven. A four nine two. I have no problem setting up an appointment to speak with someone to give them more insight of me and the company. We're going to have your link up on our show site anyway at our business directory. So anyone interested can certainly find you there as well. Millicent, I appreciate you being on the show and thanks for the work that you're doing to help small businesses. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for what you're doing too. You have a great one. Stay safe.
Folks, that's a wrap. What a great show we had today. Make sure that you catch the show on the replay on all of our channels. And make sure that this week for you becomes another week of Thrive Time. See you next Sunday.